Amen. Take your Bible, turn to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter number 13. In your Bible, the book of Numbers, chapter number 13. Tonight is our windows of opportunity. And uh, this is the last day of our missions conference. And we've taken on uh, other missionaries. We also instrumental in buying the land for uh, the missionary in Nicaragua and had uh, a film and pictures of what went on there. I think we give them about $8,000 for that property in their building. And I'm so thrilled about what's going on in our missions program. And uh, I hope you are too. All right, today I want to talk to you out of the book of Numbers, chapter number 13. For those of you who do not know, next year we'll be starting an ag program in our school. And uh, we had uh, windows of opportunity. No, what was that? Table. What do we have? Festival of tables. Thank you. Amen. God bless it. That kid's right on the ball, amen. And we had our f- a festival of tables, isn't that what we call it? All right. Uh, Friday night. And uh, we raised $43,000 for our school. But I didn't get to buy the pistol. Somebody else beat me on that pistol. Somebody had taken a Glock a pistol, a nine millimeter and engraved on the barrel the word uh, knights for our school on both sides of the barrel and then the handles were engraved with a knight because that's our that's our emblem and uh, I begged my wife to let me bid up to two dollars <laughs> and uh, brother Blake had set a a limit of 600. I set a limit of 1,000. And somebody didn't set a limit, so they bought the dumb gun. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, this, uh, the monies from that will go into our ag program next year for our kids. They can show uh, goats or rabbits or chickens or whatever they want. And... Uh, also, we'll be starting a wood shop next year. See, now, I could have passed this school with the shops because I think I took a wood shop, auto shop, agriculture shop. In fact, that about all I took in school was shop, but I failed PE, so I had to, uh, had to do something else. So thank you for your support and help for our school. This is our... 22nd, I guess, or 23rd year of our school, and it's doing a great job, and uh, I so appreciate it. I want to talk to you out of the book of Numbers, Numbers uh, chapter number 13. A little background now, if you would please. If you read the earlier part of uh, the book of Numbers, uh, the book of Exodus, and uh, and you'll find that God has delivered his people Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And they now have left Egypt and on their way 
to Canaan, the promised land. It is an 11-day journey from where they left in Egypt to Kadesh Barnea, where they look across the river and see Canaan. 11 days. And they've made that trip, 11 days, and they've come to Kadesh Barnea, a town, a city, a place, just across the river from the promised land. They can see the cities. They can see the promised land. Now they have an opportunity to enter into the promised land. And in verse 1 of chapter 13, the Bible said, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, every tribe of the fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All these men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, if you read on down, you'll see all the men that were sent. Two significant men are Caleb and Joshua. Now, notice, if you would, please, we'll read on. Look at verse number 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is. The people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land, and the Bible said, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up, searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men came to Hamath. Now, verse 25. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them under the, all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Many times, opportunities goes around disguised as difficulties. That's why 
We neglect to take advantage of opportunities. Is anybody here can go back a few years and say, I wish I had have bought that, or I wish I had not have bought that, or I wish I had not said, I do. I mean, <laughs> or maybe you could have adopted and got one with brain. I mean, let's go on. Many times opportunities go around disguised as hard work. That's why so few take advantage of them. What an opportunity. Fruit so huge takes two men to carry a cluster of grapes. Cities so magnificent walled high and strong. What an opportunity. But verse 29, the Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and all those heights and Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. Verse 31, but, but the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were... In our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Father, today I pray that you'd help us in this very brief time we have. I pray that not one person would come today and leave and say, I didn't get something out of that. Lord, I pray that you take the word of God now. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Lord, I don't want people to see me today. I ask you to allow people to see Jesus. And Lord, see uh, the fallacy and the failure and the error of not taking advantage of opportunities while they are here. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to ask you something, if you would please. I'm sure you're familiar with the text. I'm sure you're familiar that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable to those who read it. How many believe that with all your heart? And there's a story, there's a lesson for us to learn today. Israel is on their way to the promised land. God has shown himself to be faithful and capable. Is there anybody here today that would doubt that God is able and capable? 
no matter what kind of people that are in the land, no matter what kind of cities in the land, no matter what kind of difficulties that arise while we're on our way to the land, how many believe that God brought them out to take them in? They didn't get to go in. They did not get to go in. Israel has an opportunity to possess the land that they have surveyed and spied out. Yet, they did not go in. They failed to take advantage of God's goodness and God's opportunity. And they used the excuse, well, what about our kids? How many do you know using their kids as an excuse? I can't come to church. I got to go to Little League. Now, my kids, they, they, need, they need this or that. Do you know that the only people that got to go into the land are the kids of the people we have just read of? The only people that got the blessing were the people who did not get to vote. Mom and Daddy is the one who decided not to go in. Oh, can we learn a lesson from Israel's failure to go in. I read the other day in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11. And I read these verses. Now these things happen unto them for examples. In other words, everything that's transpiring in this story happened for an example to you and I. These things happened for examples that they were written for our admonition upon the whom the ends of the world has come. This story is written for you and I. And what can we learn from this story today? Number one, God has a plan for your life. Don't get distracted. We live in a world of distractions, do we not? Notice, if you would please, in the book of Exodus, chapter 3 and verse number 17, the Bible says, And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto a land flowing with milk and honey. God has a plan for Israel. Now listen to me. God has a plan for Israel and it is not building pyramids for the Egyptians. God has a plan for Israel and it is not walling around in the dirt of this world trying to build something for the future. God has a plan for Israel, a new land, a new life, a new hope. Everything is hunky-dory, but Israel has plans of her own. Do you know anybody like that? God has a plan 
for your life. The Bible said, even in the womb, God knew you and God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are fearfully and wonderfully made for a purpose. Do you understand that today? Would to God we can understand. God does not ordain that I become a carpenter. I am a carpenter if I'm a carpenter to make a living. I am God's by ordination. I am God's by creation. And since I've been saved, I am now God's by a recreation. So God has a plan for your life. It is a new land for Israel. It is a new home for Israel. It's a new way of life. No more bricks. No more slavery. No more building pyramids. No more whips. No more beating. No more debauchery. God has delivered them from Egypt. For what? A new home, a new hope, a new life, a new future, a new hope. And they're standing on the brink of enjoying what God has given them. But there's problems. There's problems. They have distractions. I know that does not happen to us. But God has a plan for you. Did you realize that? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God has a new life for me. Not just being born again, but a new life. No more bars, no more hangovers. (laughs) Thank God since I've been saved, I have not had one hangover. I've not laid on a bed and that sucker starts spinning one time since I've been saved. Have you ever come home at night and get in your bed and it starts spinning and some wise man down at the bar said, well, all you got to do is just put your foot on the floor. Try that in the top bunk. God has a plan for you. New life. New hope. A new home. A new way of life. And then distractions. Look around. Folks that used to teach are not here this morning. Folk who used to pray 
Don't have time to pray anymore. They're mowing the yard. Oh, a yard that God gave them. <laughs> They're polishing their boat. Oh, a boat that God gave them. Tonight, you'll be at a job that somebody gave you. Distractions. Is anybody here? You say, well, you're preaching to me. Why'd you come? You can watch football and basketball somewhere else. We come to preach here. What's distracted you? See, God has a plan for my life. And then the problem come. Israel looked across the river and said, wow, look at those big cities. Israel got news that giants are in the land, distractions. Well, look at the fruit, but look at the giants. Look at the opportunity, but look at the difficulties. Look at the peace, but take a look at the sacrifice it'll take. And then distractions. And God's plan has gone out the window of our life. All because of distractions. Oh, well, preacher, you don't understand. Things come up. I know things come up. Distractions. Well, preacher, you don't understand circumstances. You don't. No, no. I understand that the devil will send anything our way to get us distracted from what God wants us to accomplish in our life. Read the book of Philippians and you'll see all the different things that God has shown us that will come our way to rob us of our joy. People, circumstances, things. Got any things we need to take care of? Oh, what a terrible catastrophe it would be if we missed the opportunity to give God the glory. To give God our life. To give God our family. See, Israel is missing out on the greatest opportunity afforded them. But there are always distractions. Amen? Well, preacher, how are you feeling today? I don't think it makes much difference. I think I'd just better serve God anyhow. Preacher, I notice you're staggering a lot. Well, it's that cheap beer. Preacher, I notice you're stumbling a lot. You almost fail. I think I'll just serve God anyhow. Somebody said, Preacher, when are you going to retire? You can't retire and serve God. You just got to keep it on serving God. Amen. I'm going to fight the devil. I'm going to fight him, bless your heart, until my fist falls off. And when my fist falls off, I'm going to slap him in my arms. and my arms are gone, I'm going to bite him. And when my teeth are gone, I'm going to gum the sucker to death. <laughs> God has a plan for you. So don't be distracted. Israel 
great opportunity. And they become distracted. All because of these things. God not only has a plan for you. And don't get distracted. God promises to empower you. So don't lose heart. Look at verse 30 of chapter 13. Verse 30 of the Bible said, and Caleb still the people. Yes, he did. Before Moses said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb saw the giants. Caleb saw the wall cities. Caleb saw the fruit. But Caleb was not worried about the problems because he had a God big enough to solve all the problems. Can you say amen? God has promised to empower you. Without faith, it is possible to please God because they that believe come to God must believe that he is. Now listen, and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Is anybody here today say amen? I tell you what, I'd rather have God as a good job. Got quiet, didn't it? I'd rather have God as anything in the world because if I have God, I can do anything in this world God wants me to do. Can you say amen? God has a plan, so don't get distracted. And God will empower you, so don't lose heart. Human reason is faithlessness. Notice verse 31. Caleb said, we can. Notice what the world says in verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. I just believe that God is able. We started this church with nothing. I'm talking about my wife and I were so broke we need a co-signer to pay cash. We didn't have a thing. I was out preaching a revival meeting and my wife called and said, Honey, you won't believe that there's some property right out the back door of the storefront we were renting. I said, Really? She said, Yeah, it's two and a half acres just out the back door of the church. We were meeting in the storefront down at Easy Mart. And she had found property just out the back door. Well, we were broke, but we bought the property for $220,000 or something. I don't know what it was, but we bought it. We started building buildings. We built once and twice or three times and four times. The gymnasium that now we have, it was encumbered under a deed of trust. We'd borrowed money on that to do something else. So I just thought I could go to the bank and the bank would loan me $100,000 to do some more work and I was going to put up encumbered property for the note. The banker said, you can't do that. We can't loan you $100,000 because you've got a mortgage on the property. I said, what difference does that make? We're going to pay you. He said, you can't borrow money 
on a building that's already mortgaged. I said, that's good. You won't loan me the money, right? No, no, we can't loan. I'll tell you what I'm going to do then. I'm going to go tell our people to take the money out of your bank and loan it to me. For the same interest that you're paying them. Well, preacher, you can't do that. Have you ever seen the gym? We did that. You know who did that? God did that. Now that same bank that wouldn't loan us some money to build a gym. A few years later, we had a little money we wanted to invest, a couple hundred thousand dollars. That bank right down the road there, that first one right on the right. I went in there, I said, Brother Don, I'd like a jumbo CD. He said, well, preacher, I hate to tell you this, but we just started this bank and we're not doing CDs right now. I said, isn't that a coincidence? I tried to borrow 100000 and you wouldn't loan it. Now I'm trying to loan you $1,000 and you can't take it. <laughs> but God. Hmm? But God. God has a plan. Don't get distracted. And God promises to empower us. So don't lose heart. Opportunities many times go around disguised as opposition. Have you noticed that? I was reading recently about out in the ranching country, wolves got real bad and was killing the livestock. And so the state put a bounty on the wolves. $5,000 for every wolf you kill. My soul, that's a lot of money. So Sam and Jed decided that they'd just make a fortune hunting wolves. And man, they sold everything they had, bought the right kind of equipment, and they commenced to hunting wolves day and night in the mountains, in the forest, everywhere you could imagine, Sam and Jed was after the wolves. $5,000 apiece. They hunted and they hunted and they hunted until eventually they were give plum total out. And they fell and went to sleep. Sam woke up in the middle of the night and was encircled with 50 glaring wolves with teeth bared growling at Sam and Jed. 50 of them. He nudges Jed and said, Jed, wake up. We're rich. <laughs> Sometimes Opportunities are surrounded with difficulty. But the God we serve is larger than all of our difficulties. He can open the sea. He can open the river. 
He can steal the lions. He can quieten the flames of the fiery furnace. So many Christians are standing at the edge of an opportunity. And yet they're distracted by everything in the world to keep them from doing what God wants them to do. Can anybody say amen? Say, preacher, you're talking to me? Now listen, if I'm in your front yard, I'm not yelling at your neighbor. You are the one who is in danger of getting distracted. Not your neighbor. You are the one who will do something else first and God second. You are the one that we need to watch out for. Notice, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Anybody say amen? Amen. You say, what time is it, preacher? Well, it's time I got to the third point, and that is God is the authority in your life. Don't follow fools. God is the authority in your life. Don't follow fools. If we spent one-tenth of the time in God's Word as we do on Fox News, we'd be a lot better off. Amen. Amen? Tell you the truth, I'm tired of bad news. About time somebody said something about good news. Amen? The good news is God has a plan for you, so don't get distracted. Good news is God will empower you. So don't lose heart. Thirdly, God is the authority in your life. Don't follow faithlessness. Chapter 14, verse 1. I want to show you what happens when you start following faithlessness. Start following foolishness. Chapter 14, and all the congregation lift up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Yep, they made the decision, they're going to do their own thing. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. It's never Christian's fault, it's always the preacher's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Here we've got a bunch of folk with great possibilities. They've made the wrong decision. Now they're crying in their beer. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said unto them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us Unto this land to fall by the sword 
and our wives and our children should be a prey. You think they're worried about their wives and children? Were it not better for us to notice return where? Somebody tell me. See, they got out of Egypt, but they get, didn't get Egypt out of them. Now listen to me. Just because you got saved, God saved you from this world. Has you still got world in your heart? The Bible says, and they said one to another, let us make a captain. You ought to underline this next phrase. And let us return to Egypt. You know any Christians who's returned to Egypt? You know any Christians who profess to be saved and live like hell? You know what's happened? God is no longer the authority in your life. I like that old Bull of the Woods commercials. That hoss, he's the boss. <laughs> Who's boss of your life? Standing on the brink of a wonderful opportunity. Who's the authority in your life? With two, 22 men working three shifts with the responsibility of 22 families. One night at an old-fashioned altar 52 years ago, sitting way back in the back, hadn't been saved two or three months, I felt God saying, I'd like to be boss in your life. I'd like to be the authority figure in your life. And down that old aisle I came and fell at an altar. And I said that night, Lord, you're the boss. Who's the authority? Who's giving orders? Who's making decisions in your life? Preacher, this is not very kind. No, but it's the truth. Israel chose to dismiss the authority of God in their lives. They chose to live in fear and unbelief. And they got what they wanted. But they didn't want what they got. Verse 28 of chapter 14, saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. I'm going to give you what you want. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to the whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not 
coming to the land. Oh, listen to me. I'm closing. Have you ever got what you wanted, but you didn't want what you got? Maybe I have three or four payments. Years ago when I was preaching to teenagers, I used to preach about the car with a turkey on the hood. You remember them? They called them Trans Am. Until you made four payments, you found out the turkey wasn't on the hood. He was behind the wheel. Can anybody say amen? amen? Have you ever got what you wanted, but you didn't want what you got? Amen. I've told this before. I, it, 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 it's terrible. It'll warp your kids. How many of you remember when Jose's was down in Cleburne? Well, the guy who was cooking for Jose's, now a member of our Spanish church, and he cooked for us Friday night. And when you went to Jose's, they always brought out a great big old bowl of sour cream. You ever seen that stuff? They bring out sour cream. I don't know why Spanish folk like sour cream so bad. Well, Mandy wasn't very big. She's just big enough to sit in a high chair. And I told her that that was ice cream. And she began to beg and plead, Daddy, I want some ice cream. I said, well, i tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a spoonful, a huge spoonful, if you'll just put it in your mouth and eat it right quick. Uh, yes, Daddy, yes, yes, I'll do that. Mandy's a liar. She's always been a liar. Liars will be friars. And I give her a big old tablespoon of that. She put it in her mouth. Her face turned inside out. Her eyes said, kill daddy, quick. She, didn't, she got what she wanted. But she didn't want what she got. We got Christians today more in the yard instead of coming to church. Or because they got what they wanted. But you put her down. God is not mocked. For what silver man soweth, shall he also reap. And the yard that they think is so beautiful, one day won't be important at all. See, God is the authority in your life. Don't follow Faithless fools. I got to close. Now, you say, why? Because it's 12 o'clock and I'm hungry. Don't forget, God has a plan. Don't get distracted. God will empower. Don't give up. Amen? Amen. I guess Christians, it, it just, it takes the smallest thing to get them out of church. The smallest thing to get them out of the will of God. We visit folk. Oh, I used to go to church. I used to teach a Sunday school class. I, I used to work. I used, I used to was. It's just enough to gag a maggot. I mean, to make a bug sick. At folks that used to. All because God no longer is the authority.
Now, I'm going to close. God disciplines those he loves. Don't tempt him. Hmm? Look at verse 19 of chapter 14. Chapter 14 and verse 19. God says, Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people. Moses is praying, According to thy greatness and thy mercy, as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even unto now. Now notice verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Ain't God good to pardon our stupidity? But now God is not only a God of love and mercy. Don't forget. He's also a God of justice. Notice verse 21. Pardon and mercy. Yes, he's forgiven of their sin. But sin carries with it consequences. When I got saved, God saved my soul, but he didn't put one tooth back in my head. I lost because of stupidity. I had to go to the dentist and buy a bridge for that. You say, well, God is the loving God. Yes, he is. He's merciful. God does not deal with us many times other than in love and mercy, but God is not only a God of mercy, he's a God of justice I just hope that maybe our justice system in America would start slamming the doors on some of the folks who've been slamming doors on other folks and God not only is a God of love and he pardoned their sin over and over and over again and even this sin of unbelief. He said, I'll pardon it. It's all eradicated. But to be the kind of God the Bible talks about, I not only must give love, I must be just. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the wind shall reap the whirlwind. Be sure your sins will find you out. Verse 21, I close now. The Bible says, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. God We'll forgive, but God don't take away the scars. 
Well, I'm worried about the kids. God said, I'll take care of the kids. It's you that's got a problem. And God killed every one of them. Could be as many as two million folk. He let them wander in the wilderness for 40 years till every one of them had died except Jacob, Joseph, I mean Joshua and Caleb. And then he took them in. Don't miss God's opportunity, whatever it is. Amen? Don't dare miss God's opportunity. Don't get distracted because God has a plan for us. Don't lose heart because God's promise to empower us. Don't follow faithlessness because God is the authority in your life. Lastly, don't forget God's justice because he disciplines all that he loves. Amen. My daddy used to tell me, son, this is going to hurt me more than hurt you. I said, then give me the belt. I'm willing to suffer like you do, Dad. Amen. A missed opportunity. Today is God's opportunity for you. Not tomorrow. Today. What are you going to do with it? If you're not saved, you need to be saved. If you're saved, you need to start acting like it. And if you're a member of this church, you ought to be a make productive member. Not just sucking up the blessings, but being a blessing to somebody else. Not standing by the river, complaining because we're going to get wet if we go across. Today's an opportunity. Don't miss it.